Welcome to Welcome to the Hallwell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 3 of Charmed, Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time? Yeah, I guess because this is a literally fairy tale Yeah, I was going to say, it's literally a fairy tale. It is literally a fairy tale. Well, that's not very fairy tale-esque. No, I get confused and I think that Once Upon a Time is the title of the episode where they do the Cinderella thing. Because they fight all kinds of fairy tales, like uh, Paige becomes Sleeping Beauty in that one, and Piper gets eaten by a wolf, Piper and Grams get eaten by a wolf. I mean, really, just my big memory there is uh, Phoebe's terrible, terrible Cinderella dress. You are hot to trot to talk about that dress. You've mentioned it a lot. I. It's pretty awful. I love, hate that dress. I... I might make it. I mean, it literally doesn't look finished. It, it looks like... It looks like she wore the ripped up dress from the part in the cartoon where the sisters come and rip up the dress. Oh, God, yeah. I, I was thinking it looks more like when you've got a bunch of, like, the material pinned onto a mannequin. It looks like she's just wearing that. Yes. But it's but several seasons before yeah. we talk about that. Prue isn't even dead yet. But not too much longer. Yeah, we're, 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 we're getting there. We're getting to Prue's death. But she's not dead here. She's not dead here. Although, God, it's weird because this episode has a really, really strong subplot with Piper. Mm-hmm. But the main plot is so weak. Well, you know what? I'm going to get into it right now. Okay. I feel like it was a miscalculation to do Piper's I'm going on strike subplot in this episode because the innocent that they're protecting in this episode is a child a literal eight-year-old small child and I'm so sympathetic to Piper going on strike but not at the expense of a literal child. Well, I think they kind of had to do it that way because if, you know, they were dealing with, let's say, dying owl guy or whatever, you'd be like, yeah, sure, Piper can take that one off. Who cares? But if it's a kid, then you're like, no, she has to realize that she's wrong, that the duty comes first. I feel like it kind of necessitates a kid in danger plot. Oh, oh, I just realized my problem is that I don't think she's wrong to go on strike, but the show does. Oh, oh, it all makes sense now. Yeah. Mm, mm. Well, let's get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. So, speaking of Piper, Piper is at work, and I know, I, I know it's so early to do this, but hey, you remember in season three of Buffy when Buffy had that dream where she was at the bronze and Willow was speaking French, and, uh... You know, Angel came up to her, and then, uh, actually, I think it was season two. Mm-hmm. And then Drusilla stakes him from behind. Yes. You remember that? Because this is, like, literally the charmed version of that. Piper's at, instead of the bronze, she's at P3. You know, she's doing bar stuff when Leo comes up, and he's like, Piper. And she's like, Leo, are you back? And he's like... They say that we can't be together, but <laughs> orbs. Was that noise him orbing away or him making out with her? No, he, he was getting orbed away. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, she can't hear him over the crowd, and then he gets pulled away from her. And then Prue shows up, and she's like, 
Piper, you need to wake up. Okay, important difference between that episode of Buffy and this episode of Charmed. Mm Mm-hmm. Leo, as a white lighter, is literally able to appear in Piper's dreams. Creepy. I'm sorry, go on. Well, I mean, it's the only way he could communicate with her. Hmm. He's not He's not creeping on her. He came to deliver her a message. I'm 5,000% sure the elders don't know what email is. Okay, but does Piper know what email is? Because Interesting it's... that you say Piper and not Leo. Oh, yeah, Leo definitely doesn't know what email is. Yeah. But the... When Leo appears, he has a different quality to him than the rest of the dream. Like, the dream is shot in Dutch angles, and also everyone is really glammed up in it, in like a really... Everybody looks great in it. Mm. But Leo's just wearing, like, his casual jersey-knit blue t-shirt. He's... He's guy clothes. Yeah, he's just wearing guy clothes. And I feel like it's very clear to the audience, and then is confirmed at the end of the episode, that this is actually Leo coming to Piper and saying, the elders are super pissed off, we can't be together, I can't see you again, goodbye, forget about me. As opposed to Buffy just having one of her prophetic dreams that she has sometimes. Yeah. It's a weird thing to throw into the Slayer lore, isn't it? That the Slayers just sometimes have prophetic dreams. Okay, so it's not weird? Mm-hmm. Because if there is a supernatural show, like an, an urban fantasy supernatural show, and there is a higher power that is guiding people, but that higher power is more or less hands-off, you have to have somebody who has prophetic visions to guide, you know, people. Otherwise, you just wander around doing whatever. So... You know, Charmed has Phoebe, and Angel has Cordelia, Mm. and so Buffy was like, uh, I guess Buffy? I guess give it to Buffy? Yeah, except they're, like, never big season, I mean, I guess that was the season spanning, like, watch out, Drusilla, like, Angel's gonna turn evil and join Drusilla, or you're going to lose Angel, I guess, was the point of the dream. Mm -hmm. But it's not, I guess it's plot moving forward in that way, but it's not like, hey, heads up, there's this dude called Decathla you need to look out for. Well, I think for the most part, Giles serves the part of guiding Buffy, like telling her what she needs to do, even though he's not prophetic, he's just a watcher. So they only need to give her prophetic dreams occasionally. Well, this is not a Buffy podcast, But I'm going to talk about it anyway. I I read a thing about it, and it's true. One of the things with Buffy that I feel like a lot of shows just kind of work around by having a character get visions or whatever is that a lot of Buffy is just them doing research. Mm. Like It's a heavily research-based show. So whenever something goes wrong, they they have to go to Giles' archives. They have to, you know, sort through books. They have to cross-reference stuff. Like, it's a show where the characters spend a lot of time reading. So, to bring that back to Charmed, mm-hmm. if we're kind of tracking where Constance M. Burge is losing control of the show to Brad Kern, in the previous episodes, we've had Phoebe as the researcher. Like, Phoebe was Watcher Jr. Phoebe was the one who, like, knew the mechanics of how magic worked and knew how to create new spells. And here, they need to write a spell, and it's... Prue who writes the spell. It's like they don't even know which traits belong to which sisters anymore. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah, it was never a thing for Prue. Because Prue has what the show wants us to believe is the best active power. Does the show want us to believe that? Yeah, I think so. Um, there's a huge thing about, you know, Prue being the strong one, Prue's the protector of the group. And I think that that's because telekinesis is supposed to be like the big gun power wise. Hmm. I mean, I feel like time freeze is better than telekinesis. Oh, no, I, I genuinely, and I know not until she gets her go-to finisher, the explosion, Ex- mm-hmm. but I really feel like Piper is kind of the heavy of the group, power-wise. Yeah. Especially as it gets more complicated, even before she gets the explodey power where she can blow things up, just the fact that she starts to be able to, like, isolate okay i can freeze just a single person or i can freeze just the demons like i think that she uh yeah i i think that time freeze is the power to have Mm. i mean i wouldn't turn down telekinesis if that's all that was on offer but if you're asking me like which sister's power do you want i want time freeze yeah and again we've kind of talked this to death but i don't feel like telekinesis is that more of an offensive power. I mean, it is in that you can redirect stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. But. Well, and I mean, don't forget their combination power where Piper can freeze an energy bolt and Prue can direct it back at the person who fired it at them. Thus, thus preserving their innocence because all they're doing is being rubber, right? I'm rubber and you're glue. Whatever you energy shoot at me bounces off me and goes back to you so i'm not actually blowing up humans except for when she you know was throwing rebar stakes into those guys uh eye things yeah actually yeah. you know what never mind Prue's power is more offensive it's just she forgets that she can just use it to impale people with stuff a lot of the time it's weird that the the uh you know redirected energy thing kind of becomes phoebe's jam after she gets empathy because that's not how empathy should work, but... Eh. They don't really understand... They don't really know what empathy is. They understand empathy as much as the writers of Marvel understand what magnetism is. God. So, so Prue wakes Piper up from her dream of Leo being like, the elders won't let us be together. I'm probably not dead. But, you know, heads up. And Piper's logically very upset by this. Yeah, and Prue's trying to tell her it's just a bad dream, and Piper's like, no, it was actually him. He was actually appearing to me in my dream and telling me that, you know, he, he can't come back. And uh, she's like, and I'm done. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. Meanwhile, Phoebe's rocking out in the car. Yep, she's rocking out in the car, and Prue calls her, and I'm like, don't, don't call someone you know is driving. And Phoebe points out, she's like, Bluetooth doesn't even exist yet. This is just, this is, don't do it. Yeah. And it's not super urgent. Like, Prue's calling her because she's like, Piper had a dream about Leo and maybe I'm overreacting, but it seems like this is just really bad. She seems really down in the dumps. And Phoebe's like, I'm driving. Come on. Phoebe's like, um, I'm driving and I'm distracted and I literally almost hit a small child. Yes. She has to brake really hard because a small girl runs into the street. A small blonde girl. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, she yells to the air, I won't give it to you. Leave me alone. And then she runs away and something's trying to wrestle the box that she's clinging to herself away from her. Yeah, it's like a little child's music box. And she's uh, she's hanging on to it and Phoebe runs to help her and sees that she has claw marks. Like something clawed at her even though Phoebe didn't see anything claw at her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, just... So... And then we go to credits. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the mythology around fairies that gets established in this episode gets kind of dropped when they bring fairies back later in the show. Oh, yeah. I don't think they ever deal with this again, which is a shame because I like this fairy mythology. And I specifically like that adults can't see fairies. Therefore, the Book of Shadows is of no help. I I think that's a good non-cheating way to kind of take one of the sisters most powerful artifacts out of the game yeah yeah because you know adults wrote the book of shadows yes adults did write the book of shadows you think graham straight up ignored the girls because we find out over the course of the episode that the girls uh you know had experiences with uh fairies and goblins yeah or trolls i'm sorry they're trolls fairies and trolls yeah they had experiences with fairies and trolls as children you think grams was just like yeah whatever when they told her about them no i do i mean i know that grams knows about witchcraft but i think she just thought it was children's imagination play yeah so phoebe has driven the girl to the manor which seems like not the thing to do but well she, she was on her way home so i think that they were very close to the manor like they probably just walked over yeah phoebe does say that her parents live up the street mm-hmm. they do let us know that they called that girl's parents because that was my first thought too <laughs> i was like you need to call her family so the girl has been as prue says just giving them name rank and serial number mm-hmm. which I but also like- phone number apparently yeah, I guess that was probably the cereal. <laughs> yes, her name is Kate. She told them where she lives and who her parents are, but she will tell them nothing else. And until Phoebe's like, hey, where are the keys? I just hung them on the hook. They're gone now. And the girl's like, they like to hide keys. And Phoebe's like, okay, is this going in a whimsical direction or in like a poltergeist direction? Where where are we going with the they like to hide keys? She does. She does tell them she's like, it's the fairies. I mean, nothing, nothing. That's, I'm not supposed to talk about that. She pivots into talking about how uh, they're not her parents. It's her mom and her mom's new husband. Mm-hmm. Although I appreciate that this show didn't go in an evil stepdad direction. Yeah. Like, the reason that it's her mom and her mom's new husband is because the parents assume that this fairy thing and the nightmares and everything is just because she's dealing with the divorce and processing things but the stepdad seems perfectly fine there's nothing yeah ominous or or about him it's not really enough of a red herring it feels like it was intended to be maybe a red herring like maybe supernatural maybe you know there's something up with the stepdad but they don't really do anything with it so Mm. i mean just bringing it up was a red herring for me but i i actually liked that they didn't go in that direction he seems like a perfectly loving stepfather yeah the mom's also a real judy greer type like i feel if this had come out a few years later it would have been judy greer she looks a lot like her why is judy greer always relegated to like mom roles or best friend roles unless she's in awesome indie films like 
I think you're uh, disregarding the early 2000s movie Cursed, where she is, spoilers for the early 2000s movie Cursed, a werewolf who is trying to turn Lance Bass into a werewolf. Why aren't we watching that? Oh, oh, but you know who she does successfully attack? Who? She successfully attacks Christina Ricci and her younger brother, Jesse Eisenberg. Oh my god. Okay, so on Patreon, I've done a thing where I've, like, added tiers where at a certain level of patrons, we'll do other properties. Mm-hmm. Should I add this? Should I add we'll do an episode about this t- this movie Cursed? Which is, it, it's it's a straight-up remake of the original Wolfman, except in with an early 2000s aesthetic, and it has a uh, werewolf dog, which you wouldn't think would be a thing that you could do. <laughs> It, it you wouldn't think it would be a thing you could have but it it just feels like it fits right it like slots right into the aesthetic of charmed it really it's, it's even like it's polar opposite right charmed and cursed yeah yeah huh that movie has a lot of people in it it has um peter petrelli in it as like a bully what yeah oh my god Oh, and Portia de Rossi as a Romani person, because this movie was made in the early 2000s. She's the fortune teller that tells them about the werewolf curse. How, are, were you completely unaware of this movie? I was movie? completely unaware of this movie. I, I'm sorry, podcasting is not a visual medium, and you cannot see my facial expression right now. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah it's a... I guess I know what we're watching after this. Yeah. Wow. Okay, back to Charmed. The I, I love this too. Uh, oh, as as the parents are taking the little girl out of the house, we see a little troll clinging to the doorway, going. Eah. Because trolls live in liminal spaces. Yes, liminal spaces. What this episode obnoxiously refers to as tween places, Ooh. places between. Like, I get it, she's a little kid, but you're adults, you know the word liminal, it sounds cool, <laughs> but yeah, we, we see a troll, so we know it is actually trolls. But Piper's like, trolls? That's stupid. This is all stupid, you know? <laughs> I, I'm on strike, I mean, I'm I, I know that witches are real, and demons... And I was turned into a Wendigo that one time. And we know ghosts are real, but fairies? That's just, that's just kids stuff. Also, Phoebe's weirdly into astrology this episode. I don't know, it seems in character for her. I guess. It seems like an odd time to bring it up for the first time ever, I think. I mean, I have, I have no, no problem with that. So... Back at the little girl's house, which I'm fairly certain is just the Charmed One's house, but with slightly different decorations, uh, which makes sense. They're on the same street. Yeah. They're uh, uh, on the street I grew up on. A lot of the houses were built off of the same model. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they were built like in the early part of the century. So they'd been around for a while and, you know, people had made changes. They built additions and stuff. So if... I was, like, over at one of my friend's houses on the streets. It would be the exact same basic setup as my house, but, like, the rooms would be different, and, like, there would be different. Mm -hmm. Because over the course of a century, houses change a lot. 
Well, I mean, in Portland, where we live, one of the dominant styles of houses is the craftsman house. And, I mean, practically by definition, the craftsman house has the same elements throughout all of the houses. Um, I, I like to go on Zillow and look at houses. And I remember there was one I was going through the inside of it, and I, I had to email the listing to a friend of mine and be like, this house is literally the identical house to yours on the inside. <sighs> And, um, like, your parents' house, it's not identical to any other houses that I know of personally, but it's like, oh, because it's craftsmen, this is the same craftsman as this one person's living room. This is the same kitchen as this other person's kitchen. Because, you know, I kind of love that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, anyway, the mom is leaving the room after being like, now, sweetie, please shut up about the goddamn fairies. I'm, I'm at the end of my rope here. Shut up, shut up, shut up. I'm not on the mom's side here, though. And not just because fairies are real, but because the daughter's like, can you leave the lights on because trolls come out of the shadows? And the mom's like, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, what harm is it in leaving the light on? It's such a little <laughs> ask. Also... The, the girl stops the mom as she's leaving the room and she's like, you have to be careful of tweens because that's where they can get at you, the in-between spaces. And the mom's like, if you hadn't stopped me while I was leaving, I would have just immediately passed right through the door. Like, I know you need to establish this for the uh, for the audience, but it feels like you were trying to get me killed there. <laughs> so no lights for you, click. <laughs> Not a healthy dynamic. No. So the next morning in the manor, Phoebe is looking up information on the fairies, and she didn't find anything in the Book of Shadows, but she did find all of the drawings that they did as children of the fairy that they were friends with, and also she found, like, a book of children's fairy stories that talks about how fairies live in the in-betweens, and trolls live in the in-betweens, and... We talked about this a little bit when there was that episode with the demons that kill people who are about to find out about demons. Uh Uh-huh. I guess fairy tale books and, like, mythology books and stuff are kind of more accurate in the Charmed Universe because these things are around and interacting with people all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it's not like you're like, I need to find out about wolf behavior. I'm going to read a whole bunch of different Little Red Riding Hood takes. Right. Yeah, you know. But that's not uncommon. I mean, most modern takes on the vampire are like, oh yes, Dracula was real and Bram Stoker knew about him and that's why he wrote Dracula. In fact, like, in the Dresden Files books, mm-hmm. the uh, Dracula was written because Bram Stoker was himself a vampire hunter and it was like a guide to killing vampires and the vampires are very upset about it. Well, I mean... Not to go back to the Buffy well immediately, but in the legitimately kind of awful... Uh, in the Dracula episode? It's like the worst Buffy... Wait, no, sorry. Yeah, ba- no. Yeah. Not <laughs> by a long shot. Fear tra- bad exists. But why didn't they cast a guy who didn't look stupid? And Sorry, anyway. In the Buffy versus Dracula episode, mm-hmm. like Spike talks about how... Everyone hate, like, all of the vampires hate Dracula because he spent, like, he got super drunk and told everything to this one guy, and now everyone knows how to fight vampires. Which is funny because 
that's actually the story of Lestat in the Vampire Lestat, right? He gets mm. drunk and tells the reporter everything about vampires and he writes it down. And then, like, going forward, the Vampire Lestat is, in that universe, a book that exists. Sorry, not Lestat, Louis. Yeah. Louis is the one who gets drunk and tells all the stories about Lestat. And then... Also, Dracula didn't get drunk in Buffy. Uh, He was just a huge braggart. Right. But it's funny because uh, when we get Spike's backstory, it's just straight up the Vampire Lestat. Yeah, someone read a bunch of Anne Rice in between seasons. Legitimately, sometimes I forget if a particular moment is from that episode of Buffy or actually from the Vampire Lestat. I wonder if Anne Rice still has her anti-fanfic thing. We're getting so off topic. <laughs> but, uh, because she was super against fanfic for a really long time. I think she would have come at Buffy. It's weird that she's so against fanfiction when, I mean, you could argue that she was already playing in another universe by writing vampire stories in the first place. Like, yeah. she's already doing her own, like, AU. Yeah, I mean, she's very clearly, when you look at Louis' backstory, it's just the Count from Sesame Street. Charmed. Oh no, is the podcast over now? <laughs> I can't possibly record anymore after that. I, I can't I, I can't top it. We're done. So Prue's like, you know what? Okay, fine. We drew pictures of fairies and trolls as kids, so let's just assume that they're real. Why would they be trying to hurt Kate? And fam- Oh, and importantly, when you found her, she was in the middle of the street. That's not a between, which I would argue it is. But <laughs> but Phoebe's like, no, but it was at midnight. The ultimate in-between. Okay. So, like, the whole hour of midnight, or? I think just the moment of midnight. Mm-hmm. So you only have to protect her for, like, a second. Yeah. Anyway, phone rings, and... Uh... Prue's like, ooh, it's your boyfriend. And Phoebe's like, he's not my boyfriend. And Cole's like, who's not your boyfriend? He's a boy who's a friend. He's not Who a I want to have sex with. Anyway, Cole's like, hey, Phoebe, you sure are beautiful. Oh, my God. I sound like Billy Appleby. And Phoebe's like, and he's like, oh, it's uh, just... This hokey character from this uh, old movie I like. Uh, Kill it before it dies. And Phoebe's like, but but that's my favorite movie. And okay, okay, I love this so much. I love this so, so much. He's reading off of this report of information he has about Phoebe. And I just... How did they get this information? Is there, like, a seer or something in the underworld who's just, like, scanning Phoebe's personal interests all the time? Um, well, later we know that Cole is in tight with a seer who's helping him do stuff, so, yeah, probably. She Mm. probably compiled that report. Um, also, it lists all of her previous love interests, and it's, it's a pretty long list. Uh, Rex is one of them. Rex is listed as one of her love interests. Interesting. Uh, so is Clay from Feet of Clay. Ooh. I, I love uh, that one of her vulnerabilities is that she is susceptible to possession by evil forces. Hmm. Let's put that in her back pocket for a while. 
Cole's like, you have a little evil inside you? <laughs> you want some? <laughs> I appreciate that continuity for a thing that flips by so fast. Yeah, like, honestly, in a time before you could just pause stuff, like, I, I can't imagine being able to read any of this. I want to go over some of her personal likes. Uh, because I found it very interesting. Her favorite piece of artwork is the birth of Venus, Botticelli's birth of Venus. That which, seems that seems right. Yeah. I like that her favorite novel is Sense and Sensibility by Jane Austen mm-hmm. because it's like the kind of person that we're setting up Phoebe to be. You would expect her favorite novel to be Pride and Prejudice, but it's like, ah, no. It's Sense and Sensibility. The one about the two sisters, one who's super flighty and one who's, like, sensible. I just... I, I, like you said, for a joke that flashes by so quickly, that's very smart. Mm. Also, that her interests include crafts and surfing the internet. Yes. I mean, that... Yeah, that's pretty funny. I wish we could see what her favorite... Uh, band was because i just saw symphony it, his hand is covering the rest of it but he pulls it away for a second hand oh, it's too fast yeah it's too fast um but i really love the amount of detail that goes into that like one super brief thing so uh also when does when has phoebe ever done crafts other than witchcraft um, okay, so it's arts and crafts, and we haven't seen it yet, but I guess she's like a the role. page that we see her add to the Book of Shadows is very like early two thousand scrapbooky. The Sears portrait of Cole, she just pastes onto the Belzar page. Okay, it's not a it's it's a uh, it's a photo booth photo strip. God, I, I didn't want to give it away, but yes. It's so funny, I'm, like, not worried about spoiling anything, but I'm like, wait, don't spoil the ridiculous page she creates in the Book of Shadows. Oh, we are going to talk about that in detail when we get to it. But... Now, here's the thing. hmm I know that he's, like, trying to make it seem, like, serendipity that his favorite movie is an obscure black-and-white horror movie called Kill It Before It Dies, but it, that's too specific. I would be suspicious at this point. That all of his interests are her interests? No, that he knows about it enough to just casually drop it in conversation like that. Mm. Like, I'd be like, oh, did you do a background check on me so that you could come and... Although, wait, you know what? I take it back. Because it was just playing at a revival house in town. Yeah, there, there's a good reason for it to be, like, at the forefront of his mind. Okay, Although, complaint retracted. Do you think they cut off this information off Phoebe's MySpace page? Oh, well, she does love surfing the internet. So, uh, Cole asks her out on. <sighs> so Cole asks her out on a date, and she's like, "Oh, I'd love to, but," and then Prue's like, "Sorry, she has to go. Bye," and hangs up the phone. <laughs> they <laughs> have to go save that girl. I guess it's rude. You can en- I. I guess this is more ending conversation than TV shows, you know, usually have. But mm-hmm. 
So Cole gets super upset when she hangs up and he slams closed the file he has on her. There's so much stuff in that file. How much stuff is there about Phoebe? Well, I think one of the things is a folded up blueprint of the house. Ooh. I, I think we can kind of see the corner of that. Yeah. Um, also, it's a duotang folder. Like, the kind you use in high school with, like, the tangs down the side that you can put papers into. Yeah. But then, like, painted all gothy on the front. Because he's evil. Because he's evil. God, I love how he completely unnecessarily voips it away. Is is that a subset of his shimmering power? It looks kind of like, a, not exactly the same effect, but a similar effect. Ooh, well, the... Sigil on the front of the folder glowed when he did that, so I assumed that its disappearance was a quality of the artifact itself. Mm. So, Piper is going to work back at the manor, and Prue and Phoebe are like, but what about the little girl fighting the trolls? And Piper's like, yeah, that's bullshit, no. Also, she's on strike. Yes. Also, she's on strike, but... She feels free to be on strike because she's pretty sure that this whole thing is, you know, just some little girl who's having trouble dealing with having a new stepdad. And I just want to reiterate, I am on board with her being on strike against the powers that be because this is bullshit. Also, she doesn't need to pretend to not believe in the trolls. Like, trolls are real. It just seems like this might be sort of a, I don't want to say low impact, but like low priority magical threat i mean they're trolls come on they only attack children like it feels <laughs> it feels like oh you mean they only attack children because that's the amount of strength they have yeah oh okay okay like they're... i thought you were like it's just kids whatever <laughs> no no it's it's like they're only competent enough to be able to get away with attacking children and even then kate's been pretty effectively fighting them off as a little girl like it really doesn't feel like this is a power of three necessitating situation. Yeah, I totally agree. Also, they're so small. It's like, can you just step on them? Yeah, and spoiler alert for later in the episode, they end up destroying the trolls when Prue remembers that she's telekinetic. And I get that they're, like, super fast, so they're hard to, like, get a hold of, but... If they have a hold of you because they're, like, biting you, you just, like, swat them like a mosquito. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, Phoebe and Prue go over to the girl's house. Her name's Kate, by the way. They, they Kate. go over to Kate's house. Mm-hmm. And her stepdad's like, okay, strange women, come on into my kid's bedroom and talk to her, I guess. Eh, it's probably fine. So, uh... Prue's like, hey, we uh, we brought your jacket and we had to find spare keys because I think you're right and fairies took our keys. And ooh, those are trolls you're drawing. Look at this picture of a troll I drew when I was a kid because we're uh, we're cool adults. We know about trolls and fairies and stuff. I like that Kate is a much better artist than Prue was <laughs> when Prue was a child. Yeah, her trolls look good. Yes, far more detailed. It's sort of the thing about drawing with crayons, like, you're like, oh, you know, drawings with crayons always look childlike because, uh, you know, that, uh-huh. that, that's when you draw with crayons. But uh, our daughter has started drawing recently. Yes. And I've been messing around with crayons. I'm like, 
well, there's a reason kids aren't good at drawing. Crayons are awful. I know it's because they're big, so tiny child hands, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I'm like, how could anyone draw with these? Maybe kids would be much better artists if we gave them better art uh, supplies. I... I can't believe you're critiquing the quality of children's art right now. <laughs> I'm just saying, Kate's doing way better. She probably has better, like, she probably has those thin crayons that are better than those thick crayons. Okay, but... We are using thick crayons right now so that our small child can grasp them. Yes. Did you ever have that, uh, like, you remember that, like, it was like a briefcase that was full of different art supplies. It felt like it was the sort of generic gift you'd get a kid who liked art Um, in the 90s. Yes. I don't think I ever had one of those. I can tell you that uh, one year for my cousin's birthday when she was was still a small child, Mm -hmm. we... Um, my, my girlfriend at the time was herself an artist. So instead of buying that, because all of those crafts were like really cheap, we got like a, a little red Tupperware, shoebox size Tupperware and built one for her with like quality Uh, art supplies. That's good thinking. Anyway, Kate is uh, telling them about how she found the fairy princess, that there's an entire kingdom of fair folk and they're ruled over by the fairies but the trolls don't like that they're ruled over by the fairies and they want to be in charge of the fairy kingdom so they tried to kidnap the fairy princess but she went to kate for help i guess kate no kate found her in a cave in the park Mm -hmm. and so kate has her secured in her little music box with the lock on it so that the trolls can't get to her and prue asks can we see her and uh, kate says well only children can see fairies. Duh! Come on, obviously. And Phoebe's like, well, we're pretty childish. That's true. She's going to do... I think this is the first appearance of Phoebe's baby voice. I can't say for certain. It gets a lot of play later in the show, but I think this episode is the first time it shows up. Also, I have questions. I have questions about this backstory. Why are the trolls not happy with the uh, way the fairies are running the kingdom? Maybe we should look into this a little bit. But no. No. So... Fairies good, trolls bad. Yeah. So, Kate tries to show them the fairy thistle, and nothing. They can't see her. They're like, nope, nothing there. And Kate's like, well, I guess I could throw some fairy dust on you. If people are... If people truly believe in fairies, then fairy dust will let them... Like, will make them innocent again and therefore be able to see fairies. By the way... Is fairy dust just cannabis? God. I mean, I think it's more, what, E? Yes, yes, it's ecstasy. Yeah. But Prue's hair, Chain and Dory's hair, is so good this episode. It's weird. It's weird how, like... I don't think she had a blowout. I don't think that's what a blowout is, but, like, her hair looks actually, so good. Actually, I do think that's a blowout. It's got, like, a lot of body to it. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, someone spent a lot of time doing Shannon Doherty's hair. It looks really nice. It does look nice. Anyway, the two sisters are now high as balls, and now they can see the fairy, who... I guess... 
I guess because they put a lot of effort in the trolls, you know, I always complain about them not doing monster makeup anymore for the demons, but they did with the trolls. The trolls have mm-hmm. monster makeup, which I guess makes it it makes sense why they didn't have the budget to give the fairies anything other than like party city pink fairy costumes. Well, they they shrunk them. They're tiny. I mean, yeah, the whole thing is that they put a little girl on a green screen in a pink fairy costume and then like whatever the early 2000s version of after effects some sparkles around her and and that like ringing bell fairy noise yeah god that would be the most irritating thing to live around you think Fairies? that's what, that little just a little tinkly ringing bell thing just all the time you think that's why the trolls want to overthrow them well i think we're to understand that's how fairies sound when they talk ugh ugh it's like um it's like a worse version of the uh adults and uh charlie, charlie brown, brown. yeah, yeah. So we go to commercial, and when we come back, Phoebe and Prue are still high, and they're at P3 on the stage singing If You're Happy and You Know It. And I. Okay, so I appreciate the fact we have a bartender who is reoccurring, I guess. She's, she's in, in like this episode, episode and one more episode, yeah. Yeah, which I, it would make sense for P3 to have a, you know, reoccurring cast. It doesn't really, but she. <laughs> She, she's like, hey, Piper, your sisters have been singing for the past hour, and I don't know if they're high or if they're stoned, but I know that they're also partial owners of the club, so I didn't feel comfortable telling them to stop. Could you please tell them to stop? And I'm like, if they've been singing for an hour, why are all of these people still here? Uh, Maybe they are waiting for them to stop singing so they can buy drugs off of them. (laughs) I mean, it does seem like they have good stuff. And Piper's like, you know what? I do not have the bandwidth to deal with this today. And she just freezes the whole club. And they're like, Piper, Piper. I'm not going to try to do the baby voice because they're both doing baby voices. I will say Alyssa Milano's is way more irritating than Shannon Doherty's. They're both bad, but. Yeah, well, I think it's because Alyssa Milano is doing like a baby list. She's like. We saw the fairy and she was extra, extra, extra pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Adults trying to talk like kids is... Creepy. Always creepy. This is just... I don't like it. Nope. Don't like it. And it doesn't... The thing is, it's not for that long in the episode. But it feels long. It feels like it takes forever and it doesn't really affect anything. I love how... I love how they're like, you need to be able to see fairies too. And they throw some of the fairy dust that Thistle gave them, you know, in Piper's face. And Piper's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, it doesn't work on Piper because she doesn't believe in fairies. She doesn't have that that innocence because she's very, very mad at, uh... at the elders. Also, oh. she wants to doink really hard. She's mad because the elders won't let her doink, which is an adult problem, I guess. It seems more like a teenage problem, honestly, but... I just realized, though, that Piper is what all Christian movies think atheists are. Oh, yeah, where she knows that there is, uh, in this case, fairies, but she's willfully choosing not to believe. Where in Christian movies, it's people don't believe in God out of spite, not just because they don't think God exists. Right. Like, in God is not dead, Hercules is an atheist because his mom died of cancer and God didn't save her. Not because 
there's no logical evidence for a god. Luckily, God hits him with a car and he converts right before he dies. That's literally how that movie goes. Also, okay, so I got real... We we can't really take a huge diversion into this, but there was a period after college where I got super into Christian movies. They're all kind of the same. But one of the things, and I know I've talked about this on other podcasts before, one of the things that's really fun about them is their complete inability to make a villain that's not right. One of my favorite ones is this one where there's a, like, the bad guy is a greedy real estate developer who wants to plow over a church so he can build... A A community center. No, no. I mean, that might be one of them. That that is one. The one that I was thinking of was he wants to plow down a church that nobody goes to anymore so that he can build housing for low-income families. Affordable housing for low-income families. He's the villain of this movie. And I'm like... I guess it makes sense if you think about who these movies are being sold for, because if you're, you know, the sort of middle class in decline uh, person who gets movies from Pure Flix, you know, family person who gets movies from Pure Flix, obviously the worst thing in the world for you is the idea that people, uh, low income people can afford housing in your part of the town. Wow. Wow, that's grim and accurate. Or um, the one with Sabrina. I actually think it's God's Not Dead too, where she uh, nearly gets fired from her job as a teacher because she tells a girl who is grieving for her recently deceased brother that her brother's in hell because he didn't believe in Jesus. Yeah. She's the protagonist of the movie. The parents want her fired because they told their grieving daughter that her brother was in hell. Well, I mean, there's some real goalposts changing there, too. Because then when she's fired, the reason they cite for her being fired is she mentioned the fact that Jesus existed in class. Yeah, they're like, the reason that she got fired was because she had too much faith in God. And it's like, no, it's because she told the girl her brother was burning in hell for eternity that's not the sort of thing you should do period honestly but especially to a child who is sad that their sibling died but it turns out that it's okay because he secretly converted right before he died i i'm we're very off topic here so piper kicks prue and phoebe out of the club for being brain children she's like look i don't know what dumb spell you cast but go reverse it i don't want to deal with you right now and they you know leave and they see that they're being stalked by trolls and they're like they must know we have the key yeah they took the key to kate's box so that even if the trolls do find her they won't be able to open the box so they'll go after the sisters instead the sisters who are definitely more able to deal with trolls you know usually when they're not high as fuck i mean i get it it's it's kid logic but they don't need to open the box they just need the box with the fairy princess in it it's true yeah anyway when they leave Piper alone, she goes to the bar and she pulls out the card that Leo gave her. The always card. Back at the manor. Wow, did J.K. Rowling rip off Charmed? Yes. 
Back at the manor, the sisters are, as I said, high as fuck, when the doorbell rings and it's Cole. I love how Cole's like, like, they're like, oh, thank God, it's it's just Cole. It's not a serious threat. Like, trolls. <laughs> yeah. Um, he tells Phoebe that they were supposed to meet and... I don't think that's right. We didn't see them make a date, did we? I don't know. I, I don't feel like we did, but Phoebe says we were supposed to meet at the club, member. And Cole's like, why are you talking like that? And she's like, oh, you're in a tween. You have to come into the house. I'm not doing the baby voice. I'm approximating the energy of it. But Cole's like, I'm going to have to deal with this a lot, aren't I? This is this is going to be the next several years of my life is this. <laughs> And they're like, you can't stay very long. We're busy. And but he's like, okay, can I use the bathroom now? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, remember last episode when Phoebe told him that he couldn't come into the house because Prue and Piper got into a fight and <laughs> broke all of the furniture? <laughs> like, imagine he's not a demon trying to kill them. What would he think is going on in this house? I mean, I guess this feeds into if they get high all the time on, obviously not weed, but, you know, mm -hmm. ecstasy or whatever. I guess it makes more sense that they're freaking out and breaking furniture. But the, the narrative around these people is just... Yeah. So he's like, look, okay, I'll, I'll head out. Clearly, you're dealing with something. But before I go, can I use the bathroom and totally not go upstairs and steal the Book of Shadows? And they're like number one or number two and he's like oh really really and they're like yeah you can go <laughs> bathroom <laughs> anyway he does he does shimmer up into the attic and as you mentioned we were watching the episode he could have just done that at any time he does, he's not a vampire he doesn't need to be invited into the house oh not that oh. i meant the fact that he has this massive dossier on Phoebe, he knows what her favorite piece of art is, but he doesn't know that he can't pick up the Book of Shadows because he's a demon? Yeah, that does seem like sort of a failure in research. And uh, when he grabs the book, he uh, he turns into, as uh, the wiki fandom for Charmed describes it, a grotesque muscular demon. And I'm like... Grotesque is a little harsh. Right? I mean, it's not flattering makeup or anything, but... I mean, it's he looks like a he's it's, it's a very darth maul face thing going on yeah and i'm like poor michael bailey smith the actor who's underneath the balthazar makeup yeah i wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers yeah but i like how the book flees from him because he's a demon and he's like hmm clearly the solution to this problem is to become more demony okay see i interpreted that as when he grabbed the book it like shocked him and it like it was this was like a, a reflex. He reflexively turned into a demon because he got shocked by the book. Like in New Charmed, when one of the sisters was trying to have sex with her demon boyfriend and her vagina light blasted him across the room. Yes, exactly like that. This is the only thing I need to know about New Charmed. I mean, apparently it's gone off the rails somewhat, but yeah. So the girls hear the book being like, hey, someone help. There's demons or whatever. This is just a natural function of the book, right? This isn't Graham's just being like, no, and smacking it. <laughs> it's a natural function of the book, yeah. He can't touch it because he's evil. 
So the girls run. How a... much time do you think Graham spends like just hanging out with a book, or do you think like she gets a ghost sense when the girls need to find something? I think she gets a ghost sense when the girls are looking through the book. Because there is sort of a cosmic awareness, I guess, that comes with being a ghost, since she said last time that she's beyond the elders. Right, and I would think that the Hallowell women, the Warren women, hmm. would have a connection to the Book of Shadows, and she has a connection to her grandchildren, so I feel like when they're together, she gets kind of a feeling. I feel like we said this without really uh, much evidence, but... I always like the idea that, like, Graham's is sort of anchored to the physical plane as a ghost is the Book of Shadows, and their mom's is the spirit board. Mm, yeah. Because I always feel like the, we're supposed to understand that the force guiding the spirit board is their mom, and the, obviously the ghost flipping the pages is Graham's. For, but uh, we also, I, I guess it tracks because we see Patty a lot less than we see Graham's. And, they and we kinda... hardly ever see the spirit board. Yeah. So... The girls uh, run upstairs because the Book of Shadows is like, help! They see Cole in his Balthazar form, and uh, that sobers them up pretty fast. Yeah, which is good because... A troll jumps into Phoebe's shirt and starts punching her in the boobs. Which is so distressing that she falls down the stairs. But he's not, he's not, she was wearing the key on a chain around her neck. Oh, okay. That makes way more sense because I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? Because they, they have, I guess, like a piece of fishing string attached to Alyssa Milano's shirt and they're just pulling it in and it just looks like the troll is attacking her breasts. Yeah. Although I think that effect was probably done by having someone actually be under Alyssa Milano's shirt. And just like. Yeah, moving just... their hand around. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, they fall down the stairs in, you know, distraction. And then Cole's like, are you okay? Cole voips into the bathroom. He shimmers into the bathroom and then he comes out and he's like, are, are you two okay? And they're like, we're fine. He's like, you seem a lot less whatever you were before you fell down the stairs. And they're like, Bruce says, stairs have a sobering effect on us. Okay, but I feel like that's true. Like... I feel like if you were very high and you fell down some stairs, you probably would sober up a little bit. Cole's like, you know what? It seems like you have a lot going on. I'm going to leave now. I'll talk to you later, Phoebe. And Phoebe turns to Prue and she's like, stairs have a sobering effect on us? And Prue's like, he's gone. I, what do you want from me? I Again, I'm on her side. Yeah. If you were high and you fell down some stairs, you'd probably sober up at least a little bit. If any, if, if nothing, the pain would cause you to sober up a little bit. Like, that's that's literally what pain does to your body. Mm. So, Prue's like, okay, so we can't see the fairies and I guess the trolls anymore now that we don't have the fairy dust or whatever. But uh, let's not do that again because we weren't useful at all. I mean, we could see them, but... And now Prue, Prue, not Phoebe, is like, oh, I know how to combine various spells to write a spell that will allow us to see the fairies. And Phoebe's like, ah, oh, this is why you're the older sister. You're always thinking. And it's like, no, that was Phoebe's thing before. Phoebe, Phoebe's the one who writes the spells. Phoebe's the one who, like, 
experiments with magic that was always kind of phoebe's thing i but okay whatever prue doesn't really have a thing this season so i guess she's basically like a floater in that she does whatever jobs need to be done that kind of floater yeah she also says that they need to get piper on board because the trolls move so fast they need piper to be able to freeze them yeah you know that tracks Piper is, I guess it's midnight because Piper is getting attacked by trolls in the club. Is the club a liminal space? Sure, why not? It's not midnight yet. Oh yeah, I guess maybe she was just between people? I don't know. What what a tween is seems pretty vague. It feels like the trolls should be able to attack literally anyone at any time. But, uh... But Phoebe calls piper and she's like hey so uh prue's come up with a spell so that we can see the trolls without being high and we need you to freeze them so that we can you know blah 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 save the fairy princess etc etc and piper's like well that sounds stupid so no also on strike remember and phoebe's like jesus christ piper you know Normally, I'd be all up for you flipping the elders the bird, but there's a 12-year-old girl who's going seven. to... Seven. A seven-year-old girl. A little... Like, yeah. Who's going to be torn apart by little creepy gnome things if you don't get off your ass and help us, so come on. And Piper's like... She has to be seven because in Catholic theology, that's still the age of innocence. She, she can't... She has no sin attached to her soul before the age of seven. Huh. That's good to know. Yeah. So, Piper's like, fine, but she can't find her keys, because the trolls stole her keys. And then when she tries to find them, she, like, trips and knocks over some more bottles, and then she tries to get the spare key out. Well, it's the troll. The troll's messing with her. Right, right. That's what I meant. Yeah, Yeah. the troll is causing all this. And she tries to get the spare key out of the register, and the troll slams the register on her hand, and she's just having a bad night in general. I really wish we had kept around her helper lady abby abby i wish she was in more than just the two episodes because it does feel good to have more of a supporting cast i feel like charmed has a this is a continuous thing with charmed where the world seems very small because we don't get a lot of reoccurring supporting characters yeah mm-hmm. even just like a, a jonathan or so Okay, so I was literally just thinking about how in Buffy they had the same background characters over and over to the extent that Jonathan became one of the villains of season six because he was just there. Like, he became a character just by virtue of being there so much. Yeah. Anyway, the trolls are continuing to beat up on Piper and she's so upset that she, assuming this is the elders, starts shouting at the sky and she's like, hey... Fuck all of you all. I'm not doing anything until you send Leo back, okay? That's the deal. I'm gonna stand here until you send Leo back to me. Okay, so I feel like this moment is relying very, very heavily on Holly Marie Combs being the best actress in this cast by, like, a lot. Oh, a hundred percent. This doesn't work without Holly Marie Combs doing it. Because, I mean, it's under... It's weird because it's one of those things where she... She has a a good point. She has a really good point. But also, she's coming off... It it would be coming off as whiny. Because she is very much prioritizing her own personal wants over the needs of others. But also, she has a point. Like... Well, what right do the elders have to control her like that? Yeah. Like, why... She didn't sign up to be under their authority. 
she literally did not ask to be chosen and it is unfair that they're taking one of the very few benefits we've seen to being a witch away from her for honestly not a very good reason i mean she'd be distracted if she was dating anyone right like yeah the rationale is that she's going to be distracted if she's dating her white lighter and that will lead to possibly the the death of her which will screw up the power of three or the death of, <laughs> mm, <clears throat> mm-hmm. or the death of innocence which right right but yes as you said if she was dating anyone it would be a distraction especially because if she was dating a non-white lighter then there would be the added issue of having to hide her witch life from her you know mundane life also the whole white lighter system seems kind of stacked up against witches like you're given someone who you're kind of by necessity forced to form this very strong emotional bond with but you can't like date them like i I mean i know there's lots of very strong emotional bonds that aren't romantically inclined but like you have to know that this is going to be an issue if you have okay so you're actually making me come out on the elder side here okay because it's like a psychologist right somebody who just sits and listens to you who knows who hears all of your problems without judging you that's why clients get have transference and get a crush on their psychiatrists psychologists and that's why there's an ethical thing that you can't date a patient you can't even date an ex-patient so oh no oh no (laughs) oh no you you walked around on it no i agree with the elders yeah but the thing is white lighters i know it's never a consistent thing but white lighters literally need love to heal love is the source of their powers it feels like kind of a flaw inherent to the system in you have a protector who is able to whose ability to protect you is directly linked to your emotional connection to them and that person is themselves a human or or, you know was it was a human before they became a white lighter so it's not like they're outside of the kind of human emotions that would make you fall in love with someone you think they'd at least put like the effort into not match white lighters with the sexuality of their charges like we we know there are female white lighters but what about pansexual witches of which of which i which i'm sure is the majority of witches yes that is that is would be an issue but in this particular case you have a very easy out especially don't send leo to the charmed ones we know how often he has sex with his charges, which not that often, but often enough to be concerned about it. I guess he wasn't technically Grams's charge when he had sex with her. He was just hanging out at her house. Well, could they not have just given the the Charmed Ones a different white lighter and let them date? Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Although, like, I mean, to be, to be extra fair to the elders, they did say okay leo you can give up your white lighter power and date piper and leo is the one who's like okay but i need both yeah that is true he demanded to have his powers back but yeah you've got more you've got a bunch of white lighters just put a different one on their case or god just let them date it's not going to make that much of a difference i mean they are the charmed ones like i mean i know we've talked this to death a whole bunch but also i feel obligated to bring it up every time Leo should not have other charges when he's dealing with the... 
this is a big project. He needs to, he needs to set boundaries at work and he needs to tell the elders, look, I'm at capacity with these three. I cannot take on more charges. Like, I get it. You probably spend less time with your other charges because non-charmed one witches probably deal with demons a lot less, but still, you've got a lot of guys. And girls and otherwise. Seems like it's Leo who needs to go on strike. Mm. So, back at the manor, uh, they're waiting for Piper. I'm sorry, we, we didn't actually talk about what Piper was uh, saying in her speech. She's basically telling the elders that this is it for her. Like, she's done. If they don't send Leo back, then this is the end. She She, she doesn't feel like she can, you know... She, her heart is not in this anymore. It's been a few years, and it feels like all being a witch has done to her is take and take and take. And there was one good thing about being a witch, and they took it away from her. So that's it. And Unless she, they put another seven-year-old in danger, I guess. <laughs> but uh, back at the manor, Phoebe and uh, Prue are talking about how they can't do the spell without Piper because it's a power of three spell. And then Piper shows up, and she's like, let's just get this over with. Really, Prue? You had to write it as a power of three spell? This really seems like the sort of thing that didn't need to be a power of three spell. Power of three spells seem like they should be, like, for taking out higher level demons or for rearranging reality or something. Like, it's it feels like power of three spells should be, like, real high level stuff, not I want to be able to see stuff that's hard to see if you're an adult. Yeah. That feels like that should be a regular witch spell. That feels like that should be an entry level witch spell. So, in Kate's bedroom, the clock strikes midnight, and then the trolls just come out of all of the corners and start attacking. And she's trying to protect the box with Thistle in it, and the sisters show up, but they can't see the trolls because the spell didn't work. Why is Phoebe leading this charge? Also- I think she just ran the fastest because she cares the most. So, the trolls are like, you know, they're, they're not like- actively attacking the sisters so much that they're like just well they, they drive them out of the room yeah but they're not like slashing at them or anything they're just like slapping and pushing them out of the room and i'm like geez if only someone had the power to freeze time even if she couldn't see the things she was freezing right Ugh. anyway the trolls drag kate under the bed turn her into a fairy why so I mean, they can abduct her. They no. take her and Thistle. Thistle was the name of the fairy she was protecting. Mm. They take her and Thistle and they go back to the fairy realm. Okay. That's... Why did you need to take Kate? Is it just punishment? No, I think they could only take her into the fairy realm if she was a fairy. No, but why bother taking Kate? Oh. I don't know. I mean, I guess I could see it as punishment for standing in their way or whatever, but... You know what would have been a really cool episode of Charmed? What? If they had taken Kate, like, ten years ago, and the sisters had, through some other means, like, been to the fairy realm, and they found her, and she'd been, like, a kid who had been missing for ten years, and they brought her back home. Like, they had to remind her she was a human child and bring her back home. Yes, that would have been a much better episode than this. (laughs) So, the sisters were like, oh, this is super awkward. Especially if Kate's parents come up because we're in her room and she's just disappeared. Uh, Phoebe is also confused about why they took Kate. And, and they and do suggest, to, yeah. yeah, maybe it was just to punish her. So she tries to force herself to have a vision by, like, 
holding onto the box and other things around the room, and it doesn't work because... This isn't season one, Phoebe. You can't just have premonitions whenever you want. And then Piper's like, oh shit, this is my fault. This is because I didn't believe in fairies, and oops. Yeah. I, she's like, I read the words when we, we did the spell to see things that can't be seen, but I didn't put my witch energy into it because I'm just... I'm I I can't I'm not feeling it and because I wasn't able to commit to being a witch the spell didn't work and now a little girl's missing and but and Prue's like yeah she 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 leans over and she she pushes Piper's hair out of her eyes and she's like yeah you really fucked up and now a little girl's dead because of you because of you she's gone forever you should feel terrible about yourself Piper uh meanwhile Phoebe's freaking out because she's like why can't I have a premonition when I want one? Yeah, really seems like your powers are regressing. She also talks about, she's like, I can't levitate when I want to. I can't have a premonition when I want to. What is the point of any of my powers? Which, yeah, I mean, fair. But then Piper's like, oh, wait, I had my I do believe in fairies clap my hands moment. And now I see a fairy. And we know it's a different fairy because it's a little boy dressed up like a fairy. And he's all like, come on, I'll take you to Fairyland so that you can fight the trolls and free Kate. And Thistle, I guess. And and, and the princess, I guess. God. Hey, fairy dude, why don't you get off your ass and do something about this? Because he's teeny tiny. So are the trolls. How did the trolls not, you know, take over the kingdom? It seems like they have all the superpowers outside of getting people high. Well, the trolls are super fast, but the fairies can fly. So anyway, the... This fairy leads the sisters to the cave where Kate said she originally found the thistle. And... The cave between worlds! It's the tween space cave. God. Doesn't that sound like... Doesn't that sound like a group hangout place in the 90s that they would, like, make? It's the tween space! It sounds like... The sort of place your parents would send you on a cruise. Yes, there you go. Yes. By the way, not super impressed by the fairy realm. It's a park, but it's got dry ice, smoke. And trolls. And trolls. Who have the who have it, the girls locked up in a bird cage. A bird cage that they are setting on fire. They set a fire underneath the bird cage. It's like, what is with the securitist death trap? Like so the trolls start attacking the sisters and they're like oh no if only one of us had the power to freeze time and And piper's like they're too fast i can't freeze them that's not how your powers work you freeze areas and everything in them and then she's like oh yeah and then she does freeze one and then phoebe levitates for (laughs) like she levitates and she's like prue throw me to the cage and Prue telekinetically throws her over to the cage and she grabs it. So that she can take it down from, you know, hanging over the fire. I just want to point out, Prue could have telekinetically lifted her in the air and then moved her. Uh, Prue could have telekinetically grabbed the cage. Yeah. Phoebe was entirely unnecessary to this whole thing. Especially because then they're like, oh, Piper, freeze the fire. And she does, so that the fire stops burning things. And then Prue just telekinetically throws all the trolls into the fire. And she's like, ha 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 ha, burn! It's 
a weirdly dark turn for Prue. She's like, huh, just how I like my trolls. Well done. And it's like, I mean, I know that they were going to kill a child, but. Still pretty dark. Maybe, maybe less glee that you killed a bunch of sentient creatures. I mean, I know it's the thing with Charmed, but we're going to get, we're going to talk a lot more about this uh, when Prue is dead and uh, Paige is in the show because Paige has a real hard on for torture that never really gets. Oh, yeah. So, explored is possibly not the best thing. Yes. Anyway, now Thistle and Kate are free, and Kate's like, haha, now I'm a fairy. I'm going off with Thistle. Yeah, See I, you bitches later! Yeah, I, I really don't want to return to the human world, because I don't know if you know this, but my parents got divorced, and the human world sucks. And Piper's like, look, okay, so... This I, relates to my thing! This relates <laughs> to my thing! I just learned a big lesson about how sometimes life just kicks you in the nards over and 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 over again, and you just have to deal with it. So suck it up, go back to the human world. And Kate's like, you convinced me to be a little girl again, because I guess you can just will yourself to be a little girl again. No, Thistle turns her back into a girl. Oh, okay. Because Thistle wasn't going to turn her into a girl without her permission, because Thistle understands consent. And then Kate's going to grow up the rest of her life knowing that magic and fairies are real, but... Wait, except that we know that the Charmed Ones saw fairies and trolls and communicated with them when they were children, and then they just forgot about them when they got older. Oh. Yeah, you know what? I guess that makes sense. Also, I guess this means that she's probably not going to be killed by those demons that kill people who find out about magic. Yeah. Although I guess the Charmed Ones killed the guy whose job it was to do that, so... <laughs> oh, Yeah. Never mind on a bunch of levels. So the sisters return home and they find their doorstep covered in flowers and also all of the things that the fairies had stolen from them. That's nice. I like how, uh, I don't know to go in, if I should go in a, uh, 2013 Tumblr direction or Midsummer direction with the, uh, with the flower crown that oh, they made. Uh, definitely Midsummer. They, they made Piper a flower crown, which she puts on and then she takes it off and she's like, yeah, this was nice. And it was a good reminder that, you know, there is an importance to what we do beyond just being the elders dogs. Like we're not, ju- we're not doing what we do just because the elders make us. We're doing it because we do make a difference in the world. But also, I'm still sad that I'm not getting a piece of that sweet, sweet Leo dick anymore. She also says she understands that it would have been hard to be married to a guy who had to be, like, on call and orb out at all hours of the night. And it's like, that's what it would be if you were married to a human doctor. Yeah, it's, it's not really that different. And that's what anyone marrying you has to deal with because you're a witch. So you have to deal with witchcraft all the time. But anyway, she realizes that maybe it's not the best thing for her to be married to a white lighter. And as soon as she says that. (laughs) Yeah, because the elders are like, ah, she realizes the difficulties. She's taking this seriously. You may have that Leo dick now. And it's like. The only thing that's important to the elders is that no one is happy ever. (laughs) Yeah. All right, you can marry Leo as long as you're not happy about it. Yes, because after she has this uh, revelation, oh, it's Leo. And God, his hair is at such an awkward length. It really is. But also, it's the early 2000s. Yeah. And she's like, Leo. And he runs up to hug her. And she's like, I had a dream that you weren't coming back. 
and he's like... Yeah, that was me. That was actually me. Well, I uh, was trying to let you know that our relationship's going to be complicated. They had forbidden me from ever seeing you again, but your giant temper tantrum in the parking lot changed their mind. Oh, I didn't think it was the temper tantrum. No, no, it's her her being like, you know... Maybe we can make it work if you're constantly doubting our relationship. <laughs> oh, man. You know, the basis of all great relationships is the belief that it won't work out. Yeah. So, basically, they're on, like, a... Super double secret probation? <laughs> yes. I, I was going to say they were having a trial period, but... Uh, as long as they can prove to the elders that their relationship won't interfere with their witch and white lighter work, respectively, then they can doink. And Piper gives Leo a beard of fingers and is like, we'll prove them wrong. And then they go upstairs to Bone. Like, she literally takes his hand and leads him upstairs to Bone. And it's like, uh, awkward, right? And Phoebe's like, are you okay? You don't seem super happy that Leo's back. And Bruce's like, no, I'm okay. I And I am happy that Leo's back. Not for Piper, but because a giant ass demon was in our attic and we're probably going to be thrown through a whole bunch of walls and stuff and need people to need someone to you know heal us she she actually says an unattractive demon which is like rude what a weird thing to throw in there i only want to fight the hot demons which you're in luck because yeah yeah oh cool we only like we 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 lose balthazar after a certain point like once i think once he becomes the source he like he decides to stay cold all the time. I mean, yeah. who wouldn't? Do you think he could still turn to Balthazar? Or do you think it's yeah, like... Yeah, I think he could. Because I feel like at this point, Balthazar is stronger than Cole. But I think at a certain... Like, his Balthazar form is stronger than Cole. But at a certain point, his Cole form kind of outpaces his Balthazar form. And it just becomes pointless for him to... Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's probably what happens. Anyway, Phoebe calls his work to leave a message and be like, Hey, sorry that everything that happened, happened. And... He's still at the office, so he picks up the phone, and he's like, hey, Phoebe, and she's like, hey, sorry you saw that. He's like, oh, no, I still want to bone you, and she's like, great, and then we see Cole tell his shadow to go deliver the message that he's getting closer. Like, I know they felt the need that they had to end this episode on, like, an ominous note, but this isn't new information at all. Okay, so going through it again, like, I... It's not the worst episode ever. It's not, like, super bad or anything, but... You're... Like, there's so many cool places you could have gone with. Oh, there's a fairy realm, and Mm -hmm. only children can see them. And it it just... It felt like they put out a lot of cool stuff, but didn't really do anything with it. Yeah, and also... Yeah, I get that we're not supposed... Now now that we've talked about it, I get that we're not supposed to be on Piper's side with her strike, so that's why they had to make the thing she was striking from so egregious, but I still feel like they could have done something that tied in better. Honestly, if anything, the Lady Hawk episode would have tied in better. Hmm. Anyway, I, it wasn't a bad episode. It was fine. It was fine. Uh, yeah, so I believe that will take us to our own personal power of three. Uh, let's tap into that, and for our first segment, Premonition. Who in this episode is, was, or will become famous later? No one? No, no big, no, no big names in this episode, unless you count the fact that the 
the actor who plays Balthazar is also several demons in both Charmed and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. Yeah, I... Yeah, I did. This seemed like it really felt like the the child or the mother should have been our premonition, but neither of them was anyone you know that you would know. Yeah. Weirdly, the daughter looked a lot like May Whitman to me, like child May Whitman. I could see that. I would. I that's what I was like. Oh, maybe it's child May Whitman, but it wasn't. You know who she was though. Who? Okay, this is this is a deep, deep cut. All right. When. In the episode of Friends, the Halloween episode of Friends, when Rachel is pregnant and the kids come to the door trick-or-treating, she's the little ballerina that Rachel gives all of the candy to. Huh, weird, considering Mae Whitman was the, uh... Mae Whitman was the girl who goes to space camp, yeah. Yeah, because Ross broke her leg. Yeah. Why does that never get brought up when they talk about how terrible Ross is? He broke a little girl's... wait, arm or leg? Uh, it was her leg. Yeah, he broke a little girl's leg. Yep. I mean, I guess it wasn't intentional, but still, come on, dude. Ross is the worst. So, yeah, really short... Pre- well, Phoebe didn't have a premonition this episode either. And she tried so hard to have one, and she didn't. There you go. There yeah. you go. So that'll bring us to our second segment, Time Freeze. What specifically dated this episode for you? I have one, dude. Okay, I'm gonna let you go first, because I have two. So in case you say one of mine first. Garfield Clock. The little girl had a Garfield clock in her room. That was a huge thing around the time. Oh, it's a cat clock that's eyes move back and forth and its tail moves back and forth. Yes, yes. They were, they were very, very big in the late 90s. I think they might have... Did they start out as Felix the Cat Clocks? And they then did. Garfield kind of took over it because Garfield was a merchandising juggernaut and still is, to my knowledge. Yeah. I, I The only thing that would have been more of a time freeze than the Garfield clock would have been if we had seen a Garfield phone. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, the, the Garfield clock was definitely one of mine. And honestly, I understand that a Garfield clock is exactly what a child would have in her room. Mm-hmm. But it did kind of take a little bit away from the ominous of, oh no, it's midnight when the clock that we're looking at is a Garfield clock. You know, people, people, some people smack talk Jim Davis, but I do really appreciate that he went into Garfield with, look, I'm going to make a comic strip that is going to make money. He literally, he's like, I'm going to choose something that I can merchandise the hell out of. I'm going to make a thing that is just purely to make money off of so i can do whatever i want i'm like you know what that's fair garfield is the newspaper comic strip equivalent of smash mouth's all-star yeah yes it's sort of the uh the anti uh anti calvin and Hobbes. yeah yeah definitely which you know makes sense because bill waterston became a reclusive mountain man who only emerges every so often to blow up banks from his secret mountain base or isolated cabin i suppose he does, he, I was going to say he doesn't do that, but I guess I don't really have any evidence that he doesn't do that. You can't prove a negative. He uh, And uh, in Bloom County, uh, Bill the Cat was a parody of Garfield. Right. Because he was supposed to be the merchandising thing, but the joke was that he was, you know... A, horrifying? Yes, that he was super horrifying. And recently, the movie The Suicide Squad came out. Uh-huh. And there's a character in it called Weasel, who is played by... Um, What's his face from Gilmore Girls? James Gunn's brother? Sean Gunn. Sean Gunn. He's 
uh, a character called Weasel, played by Sean Gunn, who is designed off Bill the Cat. Huh. It's a weird, like... This is a Peppy de Sylvia board that is connected to literally nothing, <laughs> but... So, but you can make a straight beeline from Garfield to Weasel in the new, in the Suicide Squad movie. Huh. Huh. Anyway, my time freeze is, well, one of them was the Garfield clock. My other one is the fact that when Cole's going down Phoebe's dossier, one of her interests is surfing the internet. Mm. Because this is a time when surfing the internet is an interest and not just where we live. A fact of life. A horrifying hellscape from which there is no escape. Yay. I I tried so I put off getting a smartphone for so long because I'm like, there there are there are there are periods where I need to not be on the internet and just that's not a thing anymore. You have to be on the internet all the time. Yeah. That will bring us to our last segment, telekinesis. What if anything genuinely moved you this episode? Piper Piper's speech when she's in the parking lot, right? I didn't actually have a telekinesis this episode. I recognize that that's what it should have been. And as we said, Holly Marie Combs sold the hell out of it. But I was personally not moved. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess the emotional connection there is more, wow, Holly Marie Combs is really acting the hell out of this and not this is a particularly good moment. Like, I objectively, with my brain, recognized that she was doing a good job, but it didn't move my heart. Do you? But I I do have... Our secret fourth uh, power, the secret fourth power, because as time has gone on, our powers have evolved. And now uh, we have astral projection. What in this episode was so cringeworthy it made you want to physically leave your body? Well, that would have to be all of the baby talk. All the baby talk. It doesn't take up as much of the episode as I remembered it taking up. But God, it feels like it went on forever. Oh my God. It's so cringeworthy. It gets like right under your skin creepy. Yeah. Oof. So I think that's going to take us to the end of our segments. Yeah, that'll about do it. Our next episode is All Hallowell's Eve. And the description from Peacock is, Halloween sends the sisters back in time where they must help a coven in danger of extinction. Ooh. Yeah. I remember this one. This is the one with the uh, with the apple thing. I can't wait to talk about it. You know, I have my story that I love about the apple thing. Yeah. Also, uh, also, just everyone can time travel now. It's not hard. <laughs> everyone can time travel. What? Like it's hard? <laughs> uh, so I guess that does it. Yeah. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current five Dawn Above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Hallowell Manor. Mm-hmm.